Well, hello everyone, I'm Alvin King, host of He Said, He Said, He Said, a look at the world from a seasoned black man's perspective. It is Friday, January the 19th, and for the next hour, we are celebrating novelist James Baldwin. So grab your blanket, something nice to drink, and come on in, let's have some fun. Well, hello, good people. How's everyone doing tonight? Again, welcome to our new live show, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know where you are in the world and where you're watching, but here in Washington, D.C. and the East Coast, it is cold. And when I tell you this first snow of the last two years, after the last two years, has hit us, and I'm really ready for it to go. But I hope everyone is safe tonight. And, um, you know, thank you again for being here. Our show tonight, as I've said, is about James Baldwin, a writer and civil rights activist who is best known for his semi-autobiographical novel and plays that center on race, politics, and sexuality. And joining us tonight is Charles Reese of the Charles Reese Experience to talk about everything James Baldwin. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys are in for a treat. All right. So again, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, I know last week, you know, when we were on the show, we talked about the fashions uh, from the Golden Globes, but really the fashions really, really did. And the people were dressed for the Emmys this year, ladies and gentlemen. But there were three things that happened at the Emmy that I want to share with you all that was completely monumental. First, I want to talk about Trevor Noah, ladies and gentlemen. Trevor Noah of The Daily Show, Trevor Noah won an Emmy Award for Best Variety Talk Series. Trevor is the first black person to win in this category. I just cannot believe it. You know, I just cannot believe it. But he is the first. And I'm so proud of Trevor. Kudos to you, uh, Trevor. And also another monumental moment, Quinta Brunson. She took home an Emmy on Monday for Best Actress in a Comedy Series, becoming the first black actress to win the category since 1981. That was 43 years. And the woman who won that, was Isabel Sanford of the Jeffersons, ladies and gentlemen. Quinta, it, she won it for her performance in Albert uh, Elementary. I know you all have seen that. It's an amazing show where she is the writer and she served as the creative director on the show. And last but not least, this goddess, ladies and gentlemen, Nisi Nash Betts. She took home the Emmy for Best Supporting Actress in a limited series, the Netflix series, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story. But what was most uh, memorable about that night, other than how Nisi looked, because she was pushed up, like I said, like, I mean, she was pushed the way women should look if you're going to wear something low cut like that. But I digressed a bit. The award, she brought everyone to their feet when she gave her acceptance speech where she did the, what we all should do. She thanked herself for doing a good job. 
And I was so proud of her. I'm proud of all of them, but uh, it was an amazing show. And last but not least, before I bring the guys in, I have to pay homage to our first lady forever. Michelle Obama turned 60 years old this, uh, this week and President Barack Obama took to social media and he posted these words. This is what 60s looked like. He said, happy birthday to my better half who happens to be one of the funniest, smartest, most beautiful people I know. Michelle Obama, you make every day better. I wanna say happy birthday to you first lady forever, Michelle Obama. And if you're watching, know that we love you. All right, so we have a great show in store for you guys tonight. So if you all are ready, I'm ready to get on with the chat. Hey, fellas. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, everybody. Look, I got so caught up. I didn't even have the other side of my folks uh, who have been joining. I see y'all. I didn't have that screen on because I was having my Beyonce moment. Okay, I was not. How you guys doing? Great. Well, like you said, uh, the snow has come and I was out there shoveling today. And like you, I'm I'm good. If it if it goes, I'm good. I like the snow. I like the quiet that it brings. There's just a hush over the neighborhood. Did you have to shovel? Hmm? Did you have to shovel at all? No, but I did have to clean off a car. And I I finally cleaned it off yesterday after the storms that came earlier in the week. Only to wake up and have it have more snow on than it did yesterday. So I'm like, mm, it's going to stay like that for a minute. Well, I have this. <laughs> this is a true story. I have a uh, a neighbor. Well, we're pretty yeah. close on my block, but I have a neighbor, and her name is Tanya. And mm-hmm. Tanya Hi, loves to, Tanya loves a shovel, and Tanya shovels from her house, which is five houses down, all the way up to my house. Oh, wow. And she shoveled and at six o'clock in the morning. She did it um, uh, Tuesday and she did it today. And including, I'm going to including I'm, including my house, my whole you've been on my block, Bobby. Yeah. The five houses on my side of the street. She, she does shovels. It. She does it. Wow. Everybody needs a Tanya in their house when they don't want to in their in their neighborhood when they don't want to get up at six o'clock in the morning. I definitely need Tanya. <laughs> I, need Tanya. <laughs> but I promise you she did. She did. <laughs> Let me, can we say hello to everybody who's joined? Hey, Michi. Uh, hey, I see Michi, Monica, Maurice is here. Um, hey, and, J- and JJ and Sean. Uh, JJ hey, always says hello to us separately. I feel so honored when he does that. I really do. Yeah. Really do. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, JJ. JJ. Thank you. So I I don't know if you all know, ladies and gentlemen, but today is National Popcorn Day. Okay. And and if you don't have any, y'all need to get some popcorn. I gotta be careful because I'll start choking. You all know my gift pleasure. It is National Popcorn Day, so if you all haven't eaten dinner, if you have skinny pop, this could serve as your dinner tonight, and, this, and you this, won't. You won't. Oh. You size. Okay. <laughs> I got this ball. And I don't care. <laughs> I made my own. It is National Popcorn Day. And ladies and gentlemen, we also, with our, spe- our special guest has made something very possible for all of you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you that in a few minutes before, before we bring him on. It's a but, he, said, but, he said exclusive. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And but Bobby and Vosh, I want to share something with you guys that 
Um, I don't know if you heard, but I'm going to read it. Madonna, two men who went to, two console, concert goers who went to Madonna's concert mm -hmm. in New York is now suing Live Nation and the singer because of the, the, how late she started her show. Mm -hmm. All the tickets of which I went, the, said the show started at 830. But I promise you, when I went, the show did not start until 1045. And because I knew it, I went a little later, but I can see how people would be mad about that happening. And I think if they get an opportunity to sue her, if that goes through or in Live Nation, that could start a trend. When you well, say they might start a trend to having the performers show up on time and perform on time, but sometimes getting cute, it takes time. But but I think, well, you know, if it takes you two hours, two and a half hours to get to a show that you said is supposed to start at 8.30 and it starts at 10.45 or 10.30, I think there's some issues up in there. And it's not always the venue. Right. And you know what I'm saying? And so, but my, my point here is, yes, it will make the show start earlier. But suppose if they sue, that could be a whole nother trend starting. Can you I ask I mean? a question uh, yeah. to clarify? experience mm -hmm. you said the show started at 10 45 now are you meaning that madonna did not hit the stage until 10 45 or nothing was happening between 8 and 10 45 between 8 30 and 10 45 this uh -huh. dj of which i could care less was playing music for two and a half hours i did That's not i did right. not pay that amount of money to hear a dj play for two and a half hours i could go there's a new club here, and I'm not going to call it out because I want them to come on the show. But I could go to that club and I want to go. I know what you're talking about. I want us to go. Okay, I, you know what I'm saying. I, you know, I, I thought that was just, yeah, it, it was ridiculous. But if if that starts, that could set a, a precedent. And how we said, watch out, Lauren Hill, because she's the one I guess. <laughs> it's it's just it's just, it's just terrible, and I think it's a bit insensitive. But um, yeah. I so I just, yeah. huh? More than insensitive. It's 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 unprofessional, and tickets are too expensive. Like you don't, none of these concerts are like twenty nine ninety five. You're paying well, all I'm that money and waiting. Uh uh. I'm gonna be honest with you. If the ticket costs forty five dollars, and I'm and I'm supposed to be there at nine, you know how much it how how much it took me to get there to be there at nine o'clock. Yes, I agree. With I needed to start. I needed to start at nine. So the cost of the ticket is not so much as it is the principle behind that happening you know what i'm I saying because you know so i i get what you're saying but hell if i pay ten dollars i need you to be there if you say eight o'clock i need you to be there at eight o'clock at least so. eight fifteen eight thirty you know you have <laughs> yeah, an opening yeah. and, the, yeah. and, the, and the headliner doesn't hit the stage for like 30 minutes after so I, what are you gonna say what are you gonna but two hours that's two hours two hours well also before before we bring on our special guest ladies and gentlemen tonight we have a special book giveaway for all of you. And yep. we, are, we are giving away five books, the James Baldwin, A Soul on Fire, that is signed by our special guest, ladies and gentlemen. He, an autographed copy will be sent to you. But in order to do that, you have, to go, you, you have to go to our Gmail account. Uh, he said, he said, he said, live at gmail.com. He said, he said, he said live at gmail.com and you must type in James Baldwin, a soul on fire. 
And when we get that, we'll make sure that we get, make special arrangements to get that autographed copy book, uh, autographed copy of the book to you. All right. That, now we're going to say this. We're going to say this again in the show, but we're letting you all know now, especially you all who are on here already. So you should be typing. Click, 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 click. But the thing you have to remember is to leave your address. <laughs> you need you need to leave your address when you go. Well, yes. Please leave your address, and if you don't, I'm going to need that. But if you don't want to do that, I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll get it. We we will get your address because we want to mail it to you, and also possibly send some swag from. He said. He said. He said. Okay. He's so y'all being very nice. He's being nice. I don't want to talk to you. Leave your address so we can just take it. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> but but are you guys are you excited about this show tonight? I mean, everything Baldwin, everything James Baldwin. Are you guys ready for the show tonight? Very excited. It's you know, it's the second show where we've got to honor a gay black man who has made a significant impact in the fabric of society on the planet. It's exciting. I'll echo that. I, James Baldwin is one of my personal heroes as well. And I just, I, I love so many of his quotes, his books, uh, the, the movie about his life, I Am Not Your Negro. Like, it's just, yeah, I'm a big, big, big fan of Baldwin. So I'm very excited. Well, t- well, tonight we have someone here, ladies and gentlemen, who lives and breathes the man who we were just talking about, actor, poet, speaker, and lecturer, Charles Reese has announced plans for a year-long celebration to commemorate the 100th birthday of the late civil rights activist, expatriate, and novelist James Baldwin, all produced through his company, Teeth and Eyes Communications, LLC, the critically acclaimed cultural architect for public engagement running in 2024 through 2025 for his signature salon series, An Evening in History with James Baldwin featuring Charles Reese. After a successful sold-out performance at the Bill, I, um, I had this right, Bill L. Kerr, uh, Bill Elmer Park Theater in Amsterdam, produced by uh, Afrospectrix Emerson College at the James Baldwin Writers Colony in Castile Well Global Center in the Netherlands, Charles is here to talk about celebrating James Baldwin's 100, reimagining, remaking ourselves and each other. I quote, Charles said, this will serve as our year long theme for the centennial commemoration as we bear witness and remember one of the greatest writers of our time. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Charles Reese with the Charles Reese experience. Hey. Wow. Introduction. But listen, <laughs> let me start by saying I too have popcorn. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I have to give a shout out to my popcorn to say I have vegan popcorn. No, I'm not vegan, but I love vegan things. And this is Fuchsia Love Cakes and Thangs. So I'm celebrating Popcorn Day with you guys. Peace. Okay. Yay. Yeah. He, he comes on with the fufu popcorn too. <laughs> He comes up oh, with the food food. Well, no, I, I ran when you said you had popcorn. I said, "Oh, I got a minute. I'll go run and get some popcorn." <laughs> <laughs> we love our guests. Well, I like a who buys into things. That's right. You bought it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, Charles. Again, and, and ladies and gentlemen, this has been months in the making. Okay, and I it, it really has. And I mean, you have come through the writer's strike and all of that to be here today. You have gone through all of that. So thank you for being here. And before I ask you my next question, I want to say happy birthday to you. Charles' birthday was yesterday. 
and um, he's a seasoned soul like us, and we just mm -hmm. <laughs> we're glad that you're here. So, um, I I am a DC uh, native native Washingtonian, and so are you. Yes. So I want to I just want to ask you, what do you remember most about growing up here in the nation's capital? Well, first of all, I grew up in the Shaw District. Northwest section. I went to Scott Montgomery Elementary School, which is at 421 P Street Northwest. I went to Shaw Junior High School on Rhode Island Avenue and 7th, which is now a senior citizen's place. I was the first graduate of the Open Space School of Shaw Junior High at Rhode Island and 11th Street. And I graduated from McKinley Technical High School in Washington, D.C. Washington. in 19- 81. So I am Washington down. And on top of that, I went to a high skip program at the University of District of Columbia when they were building the new campus on Connecticut. I'm wow. DC down. Wow. Um, I'm the youngest of seven children. I have uh, two two sisters and a brother that are still alive and they still reside in DC, in close to the section where we live. You know, DC used to be the chocolate city. Now so it's 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 a it's a different kind of chocolate, but still chocolate. <laughs> it, is, it is latte now. <laughs> well, you know, I like my coffee. Uh oh, just like one. Oh, okay, now, now <laughs> Listen, James Baldwin likes liquor. I like coffee. Okay, uh -oh. okay. <laughs> thank you. Well, you are definitely Washington down. So, can you share with us? the impact, the significance of the art and culture scene in Washington on your growing up in the city. Oh, wow, man. That really would take an hour, but I'm gonna give you the quick version. Okay, look, let first me tell you, all, we, got, we got a lot of questions for you, so okay. we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> so, hold on. First of all, let me just say how art and culture used to work. I got all of my training in art and culture in the public school systems. The schools that I mentioned were the top public schools yeah. when I was growing up in DC. I learned poetry yeah. from Mrs. Lillian Falk, my sixth grade teacher. My third grade teacher, Kenny Long, taught us elocution, and he also taught me how to crochet. My seventh grade junior high school teacher, uh, Mr. Lloyd Hoover, taught me how to play the trumpet and baritone horn. I started playing the trumpet and baritone horn at and when I was in the seventh grade, by the time I started in the fall, I was marching in the band in the Cherry Blossom Parade by the spring. Art and culture was always there. It was wow. always there. And of course, I was going to, given that you listed so many of those schools, <laughs> along with Alvin, I, I will I will back on that that finest school because I you went to McKinley, I went to Wilson at the time. It's now Jackson Reed. Okay. Y'all had a good marching band. <laughs> <laughs> but you called out a couple of people, um, yeah. specifically teachers and so forth. Anybody else who really had an impact that you just want to shout out for a for impacting the Charles that, that is before us today. You know, uh, the probably biggest impact was probably um, my homeroom teacher in junior high school. Her name was Colette Preston, and she was a black woman that spoke fluent French. How fabulous. Mm. How absolutely fabulous that must have been. Oui, oui. oui, so, oui. <laughs> so Charles, yes. you have a company, Teeth and Eyes Communications. Yes. Right? Where you serve as the cultural architect. Yes. For public engagement to curate entertainment programs that inspire and educate. I love that, first of all. I love that that is your title. <laughs> you are the CEO. How did the how did your company come about? 
Um, it came about from uh, a mentor of mine, and you're going to hear me say, mention a lot of names by the name of Lamar Alford, who also, by the way, knew James Baldwin. Um, but I met Lamar Alford when I was an undergrad at Morehouse, and he was an original uh, member of Godspell on Broadway back in the day. Um, and he had this running joke that he would say, all we have is our teeth and our eyes, and we need to use them to go where we need to go. So I decided to use teeth and eyes and run to the bank with it. <laughs> That is so brilliant. Come and, on now. <laughs> and how do people donate or support your, your company? So, well, basically, one of the best ways that you can actually help my organization is, is to, um, you can go in to the webpage and book our um, presentations and things that we have. That's how we make our money through our presentations. And that's why we're building this whole year long uh, program around programs that we have. And at the same time, we're going to be able to support other people with the programs that we have. Beautiful. I absolutely love it. And thank you for asking that question, Bosh. Uh, thank you so much. Um, and I <clears throat> I just said, <clears throat> I knew this was going to happen. This damn popcorn. You know what? If you notice that I did not eat my I popcorn, said, I, I held this, my popcorn up. <laughs> I, I said it, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm fine. I'm fine. Believe me, I'm fine. Um, but, <laughs> um, I, I know this is a loaded question, but I got to go here. Sure. Can you tell us? We're gonna, can you tell us how you ended up basically dedicating so much of your life to the study of, the teaching of, and the sp spreading knowledge of James Baldwin? Well, that's, that's a, first of all, that's a great question. And it works like this. I had a brief encounter with James Baldwin when I entered Morehouse College in 1981. Wow. James Baldwin was on the scene, really check this out. He was on the scene writing a article for Playboy magazine. And he was there to uh, research and do things around what's called the Atlanta child murderers. And we also know that as the Wayne Williams case. Mm -hmm. Well, by the time I entered college, it was time for them to start getting the uh, jury and things together for that. And so he was around campus doing certain things I was trying to just make my curfew because my mother said, listen, I'm letting you go to Morehouse, but they have killed over 25 something young students, there, young children there. And I'm afraid for you, but I'm let you go ahead and go. If you see anything, you should just run. That was her advice to me. So I'm coming up the campus trying to make my little curfew. And here's these two men coming across the campus. And it is James Baldwin. And I, I knew who he was by face. And at that time, I had only read one James Baldwin piece. And that was um, Go Tell It on the Mountain. So we're coming up the pathway. He looks at me and I look at him. He says, my, you have eyes like mine. Now I was 18 and I was green. I said, thank you, sir. And I ran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh that, that was my <laughs> only time meeting james baldwin and i went back to my room and i kind of like told my room and i said i think i ran i ran to james baldwin um but here's what happened afterwards i graduated and i decided to go along to europe with my dear friend who actually wrote my james baldwin play james baldwin soul on fire that's the giveaway we went to europe and after graduation with our little degrees thinking that oh we got degrees something <laughs> happened we get over to europe we said we're gonna look for james baldwin we're gonna look for james baldwin <laughs> remember there was no emails there were no text messages we got our little tickets together we get there europe is big 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, 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 they said Paris. We knew he was in Paris, but we didn't know was that he was actually three hours outside of Paris. Okay. So, but when we got to Paris, we found out that James Baldwin wasn't in Europe. He was in the United States. We flew all the way over there and we could have just stayed home. <laughs> so we didn't get to see him. Unfortunately, two years later uh, in 87, he passed away. And my dear friend and I, I said, maybe one day we'll work on something around James Baldwin. But I think that people tell me when I tell this story, I've told this story a hundred different times, um, that one meeting did something to me and it allowed me to just go there. I ran away from Baldwin at 18 and here I am at 61 and having fun and doing Baldwin and I've been doing this for the last 25 years. So okay. a little meeting. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Your life. Meeting yeah. did that's that. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I received another, that. I another received what, what you just said. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. it. Well, you know, it does remind us that, you know, we all carry Every, every day we walk, we carry all of our experiences that we've yes. had with us. And so, obviously, it was brief. And you said you literally ran from him. Literally, not into him, but from him. Uh, what an extraordinary experience. So so you are gearing up right now for your U.S. tour, An Evening in History with James Baldwin, yes? Yes. So I'd like to know, um, given that you embody this extraordinary larger-than-life person, mm. What aspect of him do you channel, if you will, in preparation for a performance? Like, what do you call upon to become James Baldwin? Um, I do this every time. Like, and I'm glad you used the word embodied because that's all I do. I embodied a spirit and energy of Baldwin because that's yeah. all you can do after you do the piece so many different times. But um, I call on the ancestors. And I do that uh, at the very top of the show because I start off with call and response songs. And I basically go here. I said, brother, I know the road is long. No, sister, keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. Hold on. And that's how I bring the ancestors into the beginning of the piece. And yeah. I have everyone to join me in that moment. And from that moment, we I guide you through this journey of this evening. Oh, my Lord. Okay. I, I'm in the audience right now. I'm sitting there yeah. looking at you like this. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in the palm of your hands right now. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay, and you're wearing favorite quotes by Baldwin uh, Alvin. I love that so, quote that you have on. Oh, this one here. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I don't even know if James Baldwin said it, but when I found when I found this T-shirt, I, I just it's, said, it's, I, it's one of his. Okay, I wasn't even sure, and I haven't even done the research. So thank you for confirming <laughs> that I'm wearing something that's authentic. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, Charles, I have a question. Sure. Uh, what? makes this year so significant with regards to James Baldwin and the work you do? Well, 100, mm -hmm. a centennial. Yes. It only happens, well, every age only happened once, but you know, that he's not here. Mm -hmm. His words are here. But the centennial to me was always something that I knew I would be a part of. And I'm just gonna take you back. Uh, at his 90th, 10 years ago, he had a 90th 
birthday celebration, which was a year-long celebration with different institutions in New York, Bill T. Jones, Harlem Stage. And I got to participate, and you can find this on my YouTube channel. I actually did a part of the street naming along with his family members and his um, nephew, Trevor Baldwin, who is also a Morehouse graduate, by the way. Um, and all, the whole family came up and I ended up reading uh, right after Sonia Sanchez, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, uh, she called the place for peace, letting the place be a place of peace. And so it's called James Baldwin's Place. It's uh, 128th and um, Madison, if I'm getting that correct. And basically, I read from uh, Nobody Knows My Name. Mm. And so they had a 10, they had a ninth celebration. So I said, when I got to 100, and thank God I am still here, um, I would not wait for someone to say, come and be a part of the program. Basically, what we're doing this evening here on your show is that we are bearing witness and telling people we're celebrating 100 along mm. with what I'm actually doing. But that allows the whole global community to actually say, hey, I can call Charles Reese and I can be a part of his tour and we can kind of sort of work together. So we're giving you a heads up to going on. Don't don't wait, create. And like James Baldwin said, and here's a quote, go the way your blood beats. If you don't live the only life that you have, you won't live some other life. You won't live any life at all. So you might as well go the way your blood beats. I received that. Nice. All right. Okay. All right. Love, <laughs> Love it. It, you're really just creating this magic. I, I absolutely love it. And, and you just turned 61 yourself. So this is an epic time for you in that regards as well. So congratulations on all of it. Um, so James Baldwin was both uh, a civil rights sort of spokesperson and an activist, but he was also gay. Yes. Can you talk about and tell me what were some of the big contributions that Mr. Baldwin made to the LGBTQIA community? Well, I'm going to start at right at the top because this, this is always a very one of those subject matters that gets like this. Everybody gets very <laughs> about it. And so I deal with his literature and what I always like to do is lead you into Baldwin's work so you can see what he wrote. That's uh -huh. the true telling of what's what. So okay. I'm going to start with what James Baldwin did in 1956. He wrote a book called Giovanni's Room. Mm -hmm. And that book came right after he wrote what I would say uh, his kind of sort of coming of age life. He wrote Go Tell It on a Mountain. Remember, James Baldwin was a young preacher yeah. at the age of 13. So he preached from age 13 to like 17. And he said he left the church so he could go preach the gospel around the world. Mm -hmm. And if you'll notate, and I'm, I'm, I'm mixing a little the, the biblical of what he did. If you'll notate in a lot of his works, you'll have a lot of biblical things that he utilized. And that was for his healing and also for healing for other people who might say, I, I, I Giovanni's Room, really? Giovanni's Room was actually one of his books where he had no Black characters. Mm -hmm. He wrote around the whole area of sexuality, specifically homosexuality, in 1956. And my take on it is this. He was saying, listen, I'm going to tell you who I am before you tell me. Oh. 
Hope. That's what that book represents for me. So when people want to know what contributions are, go read Giovanni's room. But if you keep on reading other books, like Tell Me How Long the Train's Been Gone, which is one of my favorite books, he has a whole chapter in there. Everybody catch this. I want y'all to lean in. The chapter's called Black Christopher. Okay. Family, and, y'all better y'all better lean in. <laughs> Tell them again. Tell them again, so Charles. The, the book is called Tell Me How Long the Train's Been Gone. It was written in the late 60s. And it's really about Baldwin's uh, whole situation that he dealt with when they were producing one of his plays on Broadway. One of the things about Baldwin and his work that I really loved, now that I'm going back and I'm rereading things, I'll be reading to the end of time. Um, but when you reread something like Tell Me How Long the Train's Been Going, what you find out is, is that he's talking about this Broadway piece of work, but he, he has this section about Black Christopher, which is about two Black men uh, and the relationship they, they actually have. And everybody misses that. And it's in the book, but it also talks about what he feels about Blackness and sexuality just within the context of Black Christopher. And I'm going to let that mm. sit right there on you. Okay. That's extraordinary. <laughs> I have to lean back, okay? Because you still have you still have me leaning forward, okay? You did. You, you did. Shared one of the quotes, um, of which they are just endless, like the 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 depth and the dearth of of selections of quotes by Baldwin, yes. talking about the rage of being a conscious black person, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. being able to disagree unless it you know depends on uh, my oppression of my humanity, uh, like right, right, right. just so many of them. Do you have? You, you did share the one about the flow of the blood. Any yeah. other quotes that really stood out for you? This one I got, and this is a little side story. Um, a lot of times when you're doing research, I actually got to meet James Baldwin's, one of his barbers that he had when he's in L.A. Mm -hmm. And this is a and barber. You know the barbers get scoops, so go ahead. <laughs> so this is a quote that the barber gave me, which I use a lot. You don't tell life, life tells you. Wow. Uh, um, yeah. That's my I favorite. I'm going to say, right, okay, because I know y'all still leaning in, but I want to make sure that some of our viewers, because Michelle Evans, I can't pronounce it, Arendelle, Michelle said, they say that cat, that cat Charles is a bad mother. <laughs> your mouth, but I'm talking about Charles, that we can we dig can it. Dig it. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. And Aral Health uh, is here tonight. How you doing, Aral? He said, two snaps. Uh, you won't tell me who I am because I will tell you. Who I am. All right. Wait a minute. And Langston Hughes. Okay. It is all here. Langston, thanks for joining us tonight. Will there be any thoughts shared about Baldwin's life coming to the big screen? Hold yes. on for one second, Langston. Langston, I'm coming back. We coming. We coming for you, Langston. We, we, but I, I love the fact that you asked that question. Um, but um, I want to ask you, Charles. Um, I know you. You've already mentioned some some things about James Baldwin that I didn't know just in talking to us, but what is, is there something about James Baldwin that many just absolutely, in your opinion, wouldn't know, but you've had, through your research, have had the opportunity to learn about James Baldwin? Mm. I had the privilege of spending time with James Baldwin's biographer, David Leeming. And he wrote the book called James Baldwin Biography, which if you see right here in that little corner there, that's that book. And 
um, just behind my head. Um, and with talking to him, I think one of the things that I learned about Baldwin, that Baldwin, and, and also you got this from I'm Not Your Negro, Baldwin did not really belong to any one group. Yes, I'm a, a, a giving him his credit for being a civil rights artist, just like my brother um, uh, Coleman Domingo just did for Bayard Rustin, yes. is making, because when Baldwin was alive, they didn't necessarily call him a civil rights movement because you didn't see him in the trenches. But mm -hmm. his whole thing was he didn't belong to any one group that left him free to do what he says, bearing witness. So mm -hmm. Baldwin, what, what I think the big secret to Baldwin, Baldwin could go talk to Elijah Muhammad on one day. Mm. He could talk to the Black Panthers on another day, mm -hmm. go hang out with King and still be cool enough for Malcolm X. Mm. That's mm. what I'm talking about. Mm. So when we start talking about what, um, I know we're in this whole thing about what sexuality is and what all those things mean. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who I sleep with, who I love. First of all, I got to love me first yeah. and foremost. And yeah. then once I love me and set out on my course and find my purpose, because Baldwin was very purpose driven. Um, and I and that's what I love him most for, that he was purpose driven. Yes, he had some ups and downs and some tribulations, some mm -hmm. scandals and a lot of other things too. But when it comes to writing and specifically those essays, I want to close with this point. Mm -hmm. If you really want to get to know Baldwin, read those essays. And I'm going to lead you to an essay right now. And this is for teachers all over the world, whether you're in school, out of school, or what I call myself, I call myself an outlier, is mm -hmm. you read the essay that James Baldwin talks about for teachers. Just Google essay on Baldwin for teachers. And that really will put some, what I call, uh, that's a bomb in Gilead, so to speak, B-A-L-M, that can heal the wounded soul. So the essay is called um, An Essay to Teachers. And it was written in the 60s, by the way, and it's still good for today. So again, if you want to really know Baldwin, it's those essays that will really get you in touch with Baldwin. You have just been very, I'm an educator. Well, I'm going to be looking for it. So. <laughs> well, well, speaking of essays, uh, I, I think it's Leslie J. Allen. Uh, she, uh, Leslie just put, uh, and Leslie, I'm sorry. Yeah, Leslie. Okay, she said, Charles, another great piece by Baldwin is an essay, Freaks and the American Ideal of Manhood. Yes. Are you familiar? You two. Yes, now you have two. Leslie Allen, let me tell you, Leslie Joy Allen is a historian out of Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> let me Thanks for right. being here, Leslie. Thank you. <laughs> um, um, that article, uh, as I remember, I remember uh, it really deals with uh, a lot of things. It deals with a little bit, if I remember correctly, with Michael Jackson and artists and different things about how we oversaturate people and use our musicians and people. And and, and in a sense that he was saying, we use Michael Jackson as this freak, so to speak, as he started changing his face. He also talked about how we oversaturate or overuse or misuse our, our, our artist um, per se, whereby he used Rita Franklin, he used Whitney Houston. Um, we let them dry up and let them do all these things. And when their lives change on us, we just kind of like abandon them. 
And so that's what the whole freak thing is about, as I remember that particular one. And I'm going to go back and reread that one. But that that particular uh, essay, I had to revisit that actually 12 years ago when Aretha, oh, I'm sorry, when Whitney Houston passed away. We were doing this um, uh, ceremony and a woman pulled this out and we read that particular essay out to a crowd of people just as a healing to when Whitney Houston passed away over 12 years ago. Wow. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Having us. Having us. Mm -hmm. Charles, what inspired you to actually start traveling outside of the U.S. to research and to, to perform as James Baldwin? Um, well, first of all, Baldwin was an expatriate. And from what I knew, and even, even when I left in 85, I'm going to tell you, I, I had a one-way ticket with my good friend Howard Simon, and we didn't know how we were coming back. We didn't. I didn't tell my mother I had a one-way ticket. She assumed we had a round-trip ticket. But, um, so just to let you know, I was 22, and that's, that was the best time in travel. But to really get to the heart of your question, um, most of my life goes just like the quote, go the way your blood beats. I was just simply um, curious about Baldwin because I'm always still learning. But I think one of the reasons why I tapped into Baldwin because it's one of the ways how I can kind of like deal with my own situations and things in life. Because mm -hmm. I always say any of Baldwin's work can be utilized as a, a proactive tool for getting solutions done in America and around the world. So I actually um, started going, um, um, once I published the book version, and let me give you a little backstory so we can be very clear. I did this piece on Off-Broadway 24 years ago, but I received the play 25 years ago uh, as of yesterday. And so when I went to Off-Broadway to do the play version, James Baldwin, The Soul on Fire, my playwright, Howard Simon, who was also my Morehouse brother, um, he died during the run of the show. He died on the day we got our New York Times review. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening to me, here I am left, I'm having a play that I have to perform, and we have to bury him all at the same time. Wow. And then I had to kind of sort of take over his sister and I, uh, had to take over within that moment because now we're left. He has no children. It's just us. And so in that moment when his death happened, I had to think about what do I do as the actor in this play to move, keep things moving forward? So when you have a play on Off-Broadway, the producer who commissioned the work at that time still has a right to do X amount of things until the end of that run. Mm -hmm. Then after that run gets over, then I can get back in, get in charge of things. So what I decided to do is, is that I decided after about seven years passed, I decided to published the book because playwrights usually get their books published when you have a successful play and we didn't get to do that. So in 2012, I published the play version, did some editorial things in it and put all the things that we learned within the play in this actual book. This is what you're going to be getting for those five people later on. Mm -hmm. um, and so from that point, the play, I had to start realizing what do you do after you publish the play? I started doing book salons to sell the book. And so after these book salons started happening, since I wasn't doing the play, I created an evening in history with James Baldwin. Now we're going to move to five years, uh, five years ago, I ended up hooking up with Emerson College, who started a James Baldwin writer's colony, and I put my piece of work inside of their writer's colony and been doing that for the last five years. How cool is that? Wow. In the Netherlands. Is that up north in, in Boston? 
No, well, yeah, it's Emerson in Boston. And I actually, and I'm gonna give a shout out to Dr. Anthony Pender and his whole team at Emerson College, um, who's also my Morehouse brother. We had not seen each other in 30 years and he, he hit me up in my DM to talk about starting this writer's colony. So I've been with the writer's colony since its in beginning. And we were off for two years because of COVID. So we just returned back for the first time to the sold out event in the Netherlands. Um, this past summer. And so I usually spend my time in Europe working with that program. And I have the distinction, which I'm very happy about, that I've actually performed in three locations for uh, Emerson College. I did Emerson College in Boston. I did yeah. Emerson College in Los Angeles. And I've done Emerson College at the Castile Well, which is a full castle. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, for, okay. Because ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you all are like me, but I'm just in awe. I'm ready to just pass the plate. Uh, but... but <laughs> What, what what I'd like to what, what I, we, we, we have a we have a special treat for you all. But before before we do that, before I announce that, can you do me a favor, Charles, and just hold up the book? And I want to let everybody know that this is the book. If you go to, he said he said he said live at gmail.com. A little uh, light. Move it over to a little light. Uh, there you go. There yeah. you go. Well, I, was trying, I, I was trying to do the reveal. You keep talking. Uh, you will get an autographed copy. Again, the first five people who goes who will go to our our, our, our Gmail account. He said, he said, he said, live at gmail.com and, and put the information in James Baldwin, A Soul on Fire. You will get an autographed copy of the book. Now, for a special treat, ladies and gentlemen, Charles Reese has decided, oh, I'm sorry, has gifted us with the, ple with the pleasure of performing an excerpt from James Baldwin, A Soul on Fire. So ladies and gentlemen, Charles Reese. Well, I told you I'd like to invite you in to Baldwin's world by song, but also a little change here, it's always okay. good. I love it. I love it. So um, just so everybody can just lean in. I know you're wherever you are. I just want everybody just to take a deep breath wherever you are around the world. Just go. <sighs> Bring all your energy to your screens and just lean in. We're going back to 1963, where James Baldwin had a secret meeting with Robert Kennedy. He brought Lorraine Hansberry, Lena Horne, Harry Belafonte, and Dr. Kenneth Clark to this meeting to talk about race relations. Now, 1963 was a very pivotal time in civil rights. So come join me with me inside of James Baldwin's room and listen to what he has to say as he prepares for this secret meeting. Who will be a witness? Who will be a witness for my Lord? My soul will be a witness for my Lord. I gotta wash my body. Lord knows I don't want to go nowhere stinking. It is a sin and abomination against God. I got to wash the ash off my skin, my black, ugly skin. Now, my daddy always said I was ugly. Then everybody else said it. Oh, Jimmy Baldwin is so ugly. Ugly by whose standards? What's ugly is black inequality. If you want to speak on U-G-L-Y, ugly is when I'm in the White House, not as hired help. Some official white man without a title asks me, who is the black ugly man? And I'm in the White House just like him. Ugly is when world-renowned black entertainers like Josephine Baker 
Paul Robeson received better public accommodations abroad than in their own country. Perhaps it is not the black man's country, but it's not the white man's either. I've got to wash the ash off my knees and the native said the land belonged to the great one. I've got to wash the ash off my knees. Ugly is when you can't see me from your pulpit revving up in Harlem because I got sugar in my shoes. I got to wash the ash off my knees. Always on my knees for one reason or another. Sometimes these folk make me want to wash off all my skin, be born anew, lifted up as an host, a multitude of giving praises, shouting in the morning time, calling on my Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For he has anointed me to be he that could stand persecution for persecution's sake. For this here meeting, to meet the Attorney General of the United States of America, y'all, I was simply wear white. Who will be a witness? My soul will be a witness for my Lord. Oh my. Ah. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Thank you so much. Oh my God. Gentlemen, you all heard that right here on He Said, He Said, He Said Live by the incredible Charles Reese. Charles, magnificent. Magnificent. Thank you. Thank you. I love when our guests who bring such gifts and talents do their readings and it's just so it 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 just it it was beautiful. So it leads me to ask the question if you, Charles Reese, can can describe when patrons come to see an evening in history, James Baldwin featuring Charles Reese, describe the experience that you that they will have. We've we've had a taste of it, but how would you describe it? And be sure to share with us how we can get tickets. So it is an evening where we celebrate and be aware of black joy, pain, and triumph. Yeah. And we use James Baldwin's Soul on Fire as our tool to give you excerpts from that play. And yeah. you learn about the play and you also get a charge on what you need to take home after you learn that. We also share different quotes and different wonderful things about Baldwin. And it's also an, interac- an interactive conversation that actually happens right in the middle of a piece right when you're there. I love that, love it. Um, so it's all into one. Um, you can always go to my webpage, www. CharlesReeseExperience.com. There's a little sidebar where you can put your email in um, to find out where we're going. Um, the way our program works is I work in what's called quarters. So this first yeah. quarter, I'll be doing a few smaller events, usually at colleges and institutions. And when you find out those places, we'll let you know what's going on. Um, and when I'm over in Europe, you know, you all all that information will be provided on our webpage as we go. So for this first quarter, we're yeah. just doing events in California and a few other places. And as we move through quarters, you will be able to guide and find us there. So it is the webpage that will give you all you want. And if you're interested in having me come to you, that is where you go. You write Shamika there. Let us know what you have your budget. We'll tell you what our prices are. Um, And what we're going to encourage people to do this time around is that find 
uh, organizations who are willing to sponsor different things. Because what I want to do with specifically colleges, some colleges, is to find sponsors to actually have this piece coming throughout the year. But also, even though we're celebrating for the year, after the year is over with, we will still continue moving on. And like James Baldwin said, you don't tell life, life tells you. Well, and the most extraordinary thing is, you know, one of the things I find most riveting uh, around uh, so many of his quotes and his works in general is that although they were written so very long ago, they yeah. are they are so timely. Yes. And so relevant. Yes. So, yeah. And, and that's what we want to. I want to say this really quick. First of all, let me say thank you to each and every one of you, Vash, Bobby and Alvin. Guys, listen. You need to, at the same time, why I want you to go to my site, but I also want you to make sure you subscribe to He Said, He Said, He Said, the live podcast. And don't do, and come back different times and share this particular podcast right after you finish with your friends so they can Absolutely. actually bear witness and still get all this information. But you must subscribe to He Said, He Said, the live podcast. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Yes, Thank indeed. You. Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. And the best place and best way to do that is to go to our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R-E <laughs> slash he said, he said, he said. You can find your favorite platforms. You can visit our blog slash website where you can always get the shows. You can always uh, find other episodes. There's articles and we're going to start playing games with you on our, our website. So Linktree slash he said, he said, he said, he said. So Charles. Yes. <laughs> Netflix just recently released the biopic about Bayard Rustin, the, uh, you know, another black gay man who has changed the fabric of society. Recently, yes, uh, we know that there was an announcement for a James Baldwin biopic to come out, mm -hmm. starring our, you know, the incomparable um, Billy Porter, who's also going to be producing the the, the, the film. Yes. What are your thoughts? What are you excited about? What you know? Talk to us about that. Like, what are your thoughts? So I'm going to be full transparent. Billy Porter is a colleague and power of mine that I've actually yes. worked with before, uh -huh. he will do a wonderful job on a biopic around James Baldwin and let's let him write the piece and get it together because he's working with Byron Allen. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that's that. That's what I, I've said that many times to people because I get that question all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and remember, he's worked for this. He does have a Tony. He has an Emmy, and he has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And that's about business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to be doing, I'm not going to tell you right now. <laughs> well, when you come back, because this is what happened. We had, you know, we had Walter Nagel on uh, yeah. before Rustin came out. And then we had him come back with people from the cast. If you're not going to tell us specifics about what you're going to be doing within this particular film, will you at least promise to come back when the you film You're going to lean in and say you're going to come back. And, come and, exactly. I and bring will... some people from the film. <laughs> well, I, I, no, I, I didn't tell you what it was. But I never said what it was. But here, here, here's the reason why I say that. I'm, we, we, there's a room enough for a number of ball number. pieces. Yeah. And first of all, I have to support my brother in that first and foremost and yeah. give him that kudos yeah. and let that piece do what it needs to do. And then 
while I'm touring all this year, what you have to realize is that we're also making a bringing awareness to people for them to get ready. And at the same time, yeah. it's yeah. awareness for me to do other things too. Exactly. Go ahead, Beyonce exactly. and Taylor Swift. You're doing your own film. Okay, okay, okay. You know, well, you know, you know, they said curiosity killed the cat. I want to keep yeah. the cat alive. Yeah, right on, right on. So mom bird, but you come back. Okay. Yes, please, 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 please come back. You know, and I, you know, I, I take notes when, when I, when we're interviewing uh, folks. And you, you have this whole page all lit. First of all, did you say that your family still lives in D.C.? Is that correct? Yes, I will and, be in D.C. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks for a bit. But where are you I, based? Hmm? Where are you so, based? I, when I'm resting, when I'm not home, I'm in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah, that's my base, home base. That's well, when you're in DC, please please look up Alvin. Can you know how to reach me? Yes. I would love to. If you have a moment, I would love to. You know, go to dinner and and meet Charles Reese in person um, because sure. you have uh, created a fabulous interview for us tonight. And this show could not be what it is without you. And I still find you amazing. And thank you for accepting our invitation to be here tonight. It really means a lot. It, it thank really you does. guys. You guys are blessed. Listen, guys, these are the most professional folk that I've seen. They keep <laughs> things moving. So again, he said, he said, he said, please subscribe. Peace and blessing, guys. I appreciate Peace it. And blessings. Oh my well, God. Thank you. Well, well, don't don't leave, ladies and gentlemen. We have a couple of minutes, and I want to tell you all again. First thing, do a little housekeeping. Go to he said, he said, he said live at gmail.com if you would like to get an autographed copy of, of Charles's book. Um, yep. that, did you want to put it back yep. up, Charles? You want to do that? Uh, James Baldwin, A Soul on Fire. Um, the, you will definitely get your book. For, those of, for those of you who have, have, have seen our show, you know we will get that information to you. All right. So you got this. Hey, skills. Look at that hand. Look at that. Look at that. You want a vow? <laughs> so look, Guys, it's been too much fun. <laughs> next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back live with you. And I'm telling you, we have a show for you. We will have uh, Vince Shiflet. He will be here next week. And he will be here to talk about his new book, Relationship or Relationship. Which one are you in, ladies and gentlemen? And I'm telling you all. You all need to. I'm. I have been reading this book, and when I when I tell you relationships, he also has has another book that's out called Nurturing Quotes: Quotes to Inspire You Toward Better Relationships. I'm telling you, these two books have been changing my life for two weeks. But this will be here next week, ladies and gentlemen, and you want to see that show to see what type of relationship that you are in. Um, if you're in that last one, you know it. Trust me. That's right. And, and don't let I was a popcorn on that one. No, please, please let the title of the book fool you because it's not what you think, but it is amazing. You can get it on Amazon. And our words of the week, um, Charles has already said it, but I want to say it again. It's from James Baldwin. Um, you have to go the way your blood beats. If you don't live the only life you have, you won't live some other life. You won't live any life at all. And that was by James Baldwin in 1984 in the Village Voice, ladies and gentlemen. And um, again, Charles, thank you. Yes. Thank you. We appreciate uh, ladies, you. Ladies and gentlemen, go to the Charles Reese Experience. 
Com, ladies and gentlemen, and, and subscribe. Get in touch with him. Buy his book. Whatever you need to do, stay in touch with, with, with this guy, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for joining us tonight. We had a great time. Vosh and Bobby, you know I love you all so much. And we look forward to seeing you all next week on the next episode of He Said. He Said. He Said. He Said. He said. He said. Oh, all right. And Thanks, have a great Bobby. evening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank night, you. Everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Gregory said he did that. Gregory he did. That. See, <laughs> I told you, I've been passing the plate around D.C. Okay, so when you come. Uh, it should be good. I told pass that place, ladies and gentlemen. All right. You all have a good evening and stay warm and, and whatever you do, stay safe because this snow is no joke in DC right now. It is not playing with anybody. So well, good night. For <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. See, time is of the essence. Yeah. Look at, look at it.